Are you an entrepreneur, a designer, a developer? Never before has it been easier to get your new venture off the ground. Whether you're just getting started or have already begun your journey, you've come to the right place. In each episode, we will dive into a new challenge, breaking it down into simple, digestible terms. I'm Dimitri. And I'm Petros. And you're listening to Listen, Ship, Repeat, episode 10, Setting Up Support for Your Operation. Just that Vanasis uh, isn't with us today. Um, I'm here with uh, Petros. We'll be t- talking about uh, setting up support for your operation today. Um, and uh, we'll probably be doing this uh, going forward a bit, uh, getting people that we know and uh, we work with uh, to be on the podcast that could uh, contribute to topics better than us uh, since they're much more experienced. So, welcome, Petros. Thank you. Great to have you here. Welcome to our podcast. Um, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? Yes, uh, I'm Petros, and I started many, many years ago as a programmer. I, was, I always consider myself a programmer, uh, but now, somehow, I'm, an, I'm a manager. Uh, I worked at companies. I set up software teams before I worked as a freelancer. And six years ago, I started at GitHub as the first technical support person internationally. Uh, And now uh, I'm uh, the technical support manager for Europe and APAC um, for the past two years. Great, great. So we'll be talking about uh, setting up uh, your support, like uh, building a few operation uh, tonight. Uh, We've talked about uh, several company sizes in the past, like the tiny one, the co-founder with the developer, uh, the more large-scale, 50-plus people. Um, I think it'll be nice to uh, focus on that mid-tier where uh, your, st- your team is just uh, starting to scale. Uh, you might have a tiny team of developers. So I'd like to ask you, is, uh, what do I, why do I need uh, to have uh, support for my operation at that stage? All right, so first of all, it's a practical thing. You need to somehow um, listen to your customers. You need to listen to the problems your product has uh, to to get feedback, but also you need to make your customers feel that uh, there's someone out there to, you know, where they can uh, reach out and uh, feel that someone is hearing them. The other thing is practical because now you have grown a little bit, so um, you probably have more users. So it's more of a pain for the co-founder or the first developer to uh, to spend time, you know, doing support, which is what a you know a new startup usually does. They don't have like a a, a separate support people that handle support. They do it themselves, and that makes sense. But now with uh, more people and more users, uh, it makes sense to find your first one or couple, uh, you know, support people. That's interesting. So in addition to um, addressing support issues and difficulties that uh, people might have with your product, it's also about building a relationship with uh, your customers and your users, you mentioned? Exactly, yeah. And this is a a big thing at GitHub. It's not, uh, uh, we don't want just a team that handles 
support requests. We want to build relationships and we want uh, to be known as a company that values uh, both you know, its users and customers, but also support uh, as a general idea. So um, I might be the, the non-technical founder or one of the early developers. Our team has grown a bit. And uh, are we getting enough user feedback uh, for us to, to justify uh, having that uh, extra mm-hmm. person or team in operation? Because for us, it might, might be simply just too time compute, uh, consuming. So uh, my question for you is, uh, what would you tell our listeners out there, how they go about uh, setting up the team, like hiring uh, the first person? So I wish it was easy, but in my experience, it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, hiring, especially for technical support, which I specialize, is rather difficult. And the reason is um, we uh, usually like people that have the technical background to do that job uh, are invested in other areas. Maybe they have, they have been developers. Uh, and they want to change their career or they want to uh, enter a company uh, in an easier way, let's say. So support usually is a way to do that. Um, and it's very difficult to find someone that combines both uh, good you know, technical knowledge and background, but also have uh, the empathy and uh, you know, writing uh, good English, which is... Which is the language we offer support currently. Uh, So that combination is very difficult to find. Uh, But other than that, uh, the way you can go about it is, uh, of course, have a good job description, um, post it at various sites, Uh, use LinkedIn. Uh, We we are using LinkedIn a lot. And um, maybe reach out at conferences, uh, which for support we don't have many. But I can um, uh, offer a suggestion to attend SubConf, which is uh, pretty good. It's support-focused. Okay. Do you have any other in mind? Uh, if you don't, uh, we'll just add them to the show notes later so people can check them out. Uh, you mean like links, conferences? Yeah. Uh, uh, unfortunately, for support, there are not too many out okay. there. Uh, we usually go to uh, writers' conferences or developers' conferences mm-hmm. and try to do that. All right. Um, so it seems to me that uh, clear communication skills and understanding uh, are key for this kind of position. Yep, exactly. Um, okay. Now, what kind of uh, support uh, channels are there like, uh, in order to be able to communicate with my users and customers? For startups, the, the most popular and what startups usually do First is email-based support, and you can start like depending on your size and the traffic. You can just have an email address and you know um, use that and give give that out to people to to send you, you the support requests. Uh, but you may want to you know use a specific tool that maybe it's based on email, but gives you a bunch of other things like integrations to your product and. Uh, metadata about you know the users and things like that and there are you know like many out there uh, there are new popping up <laughs> every month maybe um, I we, we can give links probably uh, yeah for this okay. episode but like I 
I want to mention Zendesk as a third-party tool that uh, we have experience with. Uh, and uh, I also want to, to mention that uh, we, uh, we usually um, like to build our own tools in-house. So we did that for a while and we, um, I, was, I was personally uh, of the opinion that if you want to provide the best support out there, you need to build your own tool. Okay. That has its risks, though, because you also need the team, the internal team, to actually maintain it and extend it. All so right, so we'll talk about that soon. But meanwhile, I'd like to ask you, uh, for these channels, um, should I... So when I start up my operation, should I just get out there and uh, be present at each and every one of them, or should I just phase in? So... What's your, what are your thoughts on that? So, uh, yeah, like I said, we have email, but uh, you can uh, you can have presence uh, on Twitter, on social media. You can um, Facebook pages. That kind yeah, of stuff. Uh, and uh, the question, yeah, that's a great question. Should I be everywhere? Um, my opinion and my experience sh- shows that you don't. Not only you don't have to be everywhere you cannot do a great job if you try even if you try to be everywhere you will not do a great job so mm. my uh, my advice is to focus on one thing and do it well like and advertise that you know like you have your support page and you say that we provide the, our official support channel is email for example right um, you can of course uh, watch Twitter if you have a Twitter account and give a, a reply here and there but mm-hmm. you cannot offer support there the, the same okay. quality of support you can do uh, using email uh, as far as phone support forget it for starters uh, even uh, at That's the size bit, it's a bit old school at the moment well it's it's not only it's not just that it's it's that uh, it, it it's a different kind of support it gets it needs different skills um, uh, with email you can handle almost every request uh, yeah, you can probably multitask with email whereas you with, can, you with can a phone call you're engaged exactly yeah it's like uh, with a phone call it's real time handling of a support request whereas with uh, the email it's async you can actually take your time ask your product or you know developer team uh, for input and then you know prepare your reply and go back and forth email is very good for uh, across time zones because you may want to handle that you know uh, so a thread may leave several days and uh, you know have back and forth for several okay. days um, you mentioned Twitter I've actually seen some stuff here and there like people uh, at uh, send a mention to somebody they have an issue with and the reply comes back saying oh, please DM us so we can take this private. So uh, having public support like that, uh, yeah, you pr- you're probably right. Like, it's very rare. You don't see it. Uh, even on Facebook pages, I've seen it. It's always like, oh, I have this problem. Oh, great. Uh, send us a message or uh, yeah. send an email here and we'll look into it right away. Yeah, the, the, there are two, two problems with the public. So one problem is that sometimes, uh, it, you know, like you reveal private information and you don't want to do that. Okay. Uh, the other thing is how, um, uh, you know, uh, what kind of support you can provide on these mediums. Like, uh, for example, on Twitter, you have like the character limitation. So mm-hmm. uh, that's, you know, it's very difficult to, <laughs> to go back and forth using that limit, right? Um, maybe you can tell them it's enough characters to say, oh, can you restart it? So that'll work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that usually that, that's works. Only, okay. yeah. That's probably the only case. Um, 
Uh, what about like in public support though? I, uh, I'm assuming that if I'm uh, getting back to somebody on these public forums, uh, maybe uh, that information is available to everybody, so uh, they'll have their answer before they reach out. Or is that not the case? That's that's true. Yeah, that's a great uh, question. Uh, we used to actually when we started at GitHub, we used to have. Uh, both public and private threads. Like the tool we were using back then uh, offered that option. So you could actually, uh, you know, people were reaching out, the, the thread was public by default, and you could, could switch the thread to, to, be, to private. Um, that covered both uh, cases, you know, like handling the private request with sensitive data, uh, but also uh, deciding to leave something public so that other people can, you know, read it and uh, that way, may, you may reduce, let's say, your support load because they don't reach out for every little thing. Um, that has its problems, though. If you if it's not like a community that you are actually maintaining and curating, um, content dies. It becomes old and outdated, and that creates more problem problems than the mm. ones you are trying to solve. Ah, interesting, so, interesting. Yeah. So if you don't have like a dedicated community like forums that you yes, you yes. have like personnel that actually maintains that and you also have a user base, your fans that actually uh, help you there, you know, and moderate everything. Um, it's not you know it, it creates more problems than the ones you, you want to solve. No, excellent point of view. Um, so you mentioned Zendesk before. Uh, would you like to talk about some tools? Third-party tools. Yeah, so uh, the, the problem is like I, I only have experience with Zendesk, okay. uh, to be honest. So uh, I, we can definitely give a few links from other tools that um, we uh, evaluated for a while from time to time. That, okay. Uh, but yeah, like most of the support at GitHub is being done using an internal tool that we built from scratch. Okay, so if I'm this... Uh uh, tiny or medium-sized startup. I've uh, I found my first support person, and uh, maybe I'm not quite happy with Zendesk. Uh, is it worth my time uh, to develop an internal tool, or is it something that uh, people should look in at, at later stages? And uh, as a follow-up, uh, I'd like to also ask, uh, what uh, brought you to develop this tool? Like, uh, what uh, what was missing from Zendesk, for example, or the other stuff you evaluated, and uh, you went ahead and engaged time, money, investment, etc., to build this. Mm -hmm. I, th I think I, I can describe our story at GitHub, uh, the cycle that that we are almost doing now. Yeah, uh, and that may answer your first question as well, uh, it, whether it's worth you know like building your own tool or not. So, uh, when we started, we, we were using a third-party tool. Uh, wasn't very popular. Um, but it was, you know, for support. Uh, so we did that. Uh, as we were growing, not very fast, like we were still small, we only had like two people in support, uh, we found that we needed some features that the external company, the third party, uh, wouldn't implement because they had to attend for the whole user base. You know, we're not their, their only customer, right? So we either had to develop, you know, Chrome extensions to implement those features or just, you know, live with it, right? Mm. And at some point we said enough, <laughs> enough is enough. So we are, we now we are going to build our own tool. And we really knew back then what we needed. What we needed back then was a very fast way 
for us to uh, reply to as many support requests as possible without context switching and without click, you know, doing too many clicks and all that. So that was our first basic requirement. And you weren't uh, 100% uh, satisfied with the solutions provided? Uh, no, no. We, we tried a couple, to be honest, like a couple, a couple of other tools back then. I don't even know if they still exist, uh, mm -hmm. but we weren't satisfied. They, they all had the problem that they were trying to uh, look at it from the general perspective uh, and satisfy their you know the, the majority of the user base, mm -hmm. but we were we needed something very very specific uh, that was tailored to our needs back then. You know that were detect, di dictated by the the size of the company, the size of the users that we had, and all that. So what we did was uh, did like a very quick solution that had just one page. Uh, you were looking at your queue, and you were clicking a, a you know space uh, to open the next one, reply, and then. When you send out the reply, you were back to the queue, clicking space. So that was the quickest thing we could uh, think of, you know. Uh, okay. Was that in like all in one? It was just one web page. Yeah. One tab. Okay. Exactly one tab, and you mm. you could actually uh, click space many times, and it would open many different tabs for you. So you could okay. do that. You had every support request loaded, so you were uh, you know gaining some time and all that, saving time. I mean, from you know going back and forth and doing clicks. So we did that, and that tool then, you know, we, we stuck with that, we were stuck with that. So we started to develop it further, and then we hired our, our first internal developer to maintain it. Uh, and then we grew that team, and that tool became, um, you know, full of features, and um, again, Every feature was exactly what we wanted at GitHub support, right? Uh, we were the customer, let's say. So uh, uh, it's fully integrated. It has like features that our product has, like for example, at mentions and you know internal comments and um, uh, referencing issues at GitHub and every, everything that we need, right? It does have revision control too, like Git features? No. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, but. It generally uh, is like the best way to integrate with your product, sorry, is to actually uh, build it yourself, right? Like the support tool. So is, is this uh, available publicly or just internally? Does it have a name? I mean, you don't have to... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a problem. Like the, the name is Help and it's uh, not available as a product. It's only an internal tool. And we thought about, you know, doing that uh, to maybe help uh, extend its life because if it was a product, you know, uh, we would have a reason for keep on maintaining it uh, and all that. And if it was a product, you'd have to put it out there and then you'd have paid customers and then you have to support... We, we, we would have not only to support that, but also would have the same problem uh, the previous third-party services had. Like we would, if we wanted to add a feature, would that make sense for the external customers, right? So that was a big question. And would, would you have to, like, to, to branch out and have like an internal version and an external version, which is an added problem for maintenance, costs, and all that, right? So imagine that now we had like a two or three person uh, 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 team that maintain that tool, and that's uh, um, uh, that's a cost, right? Um, and not only that, but how do you support, um, you know, like uh, multiple channels? Let's say you grow and you need to extend your uh, support uh, reach, right? Uh, do you keep just adding features, and is that your core business? Uh, 
Like, is, is your core business maintaining a support tool? Maybe not, right? So maybe now it makes sense to go out and use, uh, again, you know, a third-party tool and then focus yourself on integration, having very good integrations with your product and avoid all the problems mm. that go along with, you know, having to maintain an internal tool. And that's still an open question, to be honest. So if you ask me now, after going through all this cycle, I would say start with a third-party one, and, but make sure that that third-party third tool has a good API so that you can use to add anything that is missing and integrate with, with your product. Okay. But, but it seems, so uh, if you're the uh, small startup, it, it seems that uh, you definitely recommend something third-party. However, I get the impression that as you grow and you get more customers, uh, a lot of specific needs might arise. So uh, it definitely might be worth for somebody uh, to evaluate that, B building their own tool. Now, uh, tonight we're talking about uh, setting up your support, uh, tools, uh, getting my first person through the door, etc. Uh, I was thinking maybe uh, you'd like to get into how uh, you deal with a specific customer uh, on the surface uh, because um, maybe at some point in the future you might uh, visit us again and we can talk about specifically managing uh, your support operation that you have already set up. Uh, but I think it, it's uh, very useful uh, to, to talk about uh, dealing and engaging with customers even though we're just talking about uh, setting up. So uh, would you like to uh, talk about that for us a bit? Yes, of course. Uh, so uh, one of the uh, uh, most important things is uh, to be responsive generally. So the first thing that we make sure or try at least is to send out a reply even if we don't have the solution so that the customer knows that uh, you know we listened, right? Um, uh, the other thing is that we capture everything, like we capture feedback. So when a customer contacts us and it's not a problem we can fix on the spot, maybe, you know, like show him, show them what to do, you know, to, to, to do, some, I don't know, a git operation or something like that. Uh, let's say it's feedback about the product. We, we capture that. We make sure they understand that we understood what they are asking. So if sometimes it's not very clear, so we repeat what they said in our own words. And then we label and categorize that feedback so that it's available to the product team and the developer team. Mm. Uh, and, and that's done in the internal tool. If though the report is a bug report, then we go and open an issue and we, we try to reproduce it. And if we have the steps, uh, we open an issue with the steps. Uh, if we have uh, uh, some technical information like exceptions that were raised, we also include them. If we can create a screenshot that's also there. Sometimes we like to create animated GIFs, uh, which is a thing with GitHub issues, and we include that too um, to communicate, you know, uh, uh, everything in, you know in, in, in a great way. An animated GIF of the actual issue, of, of the actual yeah. steps that you you take to you know to demonstrate the problem. So okay. just clarifying that, so it's not a GIF of like cats dancing and that sort of stuff. <laughs> no, but we can sometimes we do that okay. because we wanna uh, I don't know, like persuade our product team to do something. So yeah, animated GIFs is a nice way to do that. Um, 
So yeah, like um, the, what um, completes the cycle after capturing the problem is that we always make sure we get back to the users that reported a problem. So this is something our internal tool is good at. It keeps references uh, of everything. And then with uh, just with one click, when you see a pull request being merged, fixing a bug, uh, with a click, you can visit all related support requests and you know reply back, and that that's really something that people appreciate. Um, okay, um, I'd really like to uh, elaborate on this uh, uh, in the future um, because there's definitely uh, tons that I'd like to talk about here. But for now, um, I'd like to ask you. Uh, so we've set up operation. Uh, we've been given some guidelines to do so. Uh, we're talking to our customer. Now, how do I uh, best communicate uh, this feedback I've gotten from my customer back to uh, the development team, uh, the product team, uh, the, the team that the, the issue that I just got uh, relates to? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, first of all, before I, I share some uh, tips and advice, I want to say that you, first of all, you need to establish that mm. channel of communication. Right? So you're that, not going to, issue comes in, oh, oh, PM on Slack, oh, can you fix this? That's no. too yeah. heavy handed. That, that, yeah, like this is so like process. Exactly. If, if it's not like something urgent, like, you know, I don't know, the like the system right. is down, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't do that usually. Um, we, uh, rely heavily on issues and asynchronous communications for, for that. So, uh, but you need to know, you know, you need to have an agreement with your product team or your engineering team um, uh, about how you communicate those issues, right? Uh, and what to expect from that. So um, it's okay to open an issue describing a problem and maybe even not receiving a response there uh, as long as that's the agreement, right? Uh, you know that they read it, but they don't have to, you know, actually reply. Maybe, maybe that's a way of going about it. Maybe the agreement is that you open the issue, they read it, and they need to leave at least one comment to say if something makes sense or if we are missing something, uh, you know, about their workflow. And maybe there is a workaround, you know, um, or. Uh, maybe something is coming uh, coming up and it's in the roadmap and the product team knows it so they also you know communicate that back to us so that we know so this is like overall the thing the, the next thing is to to have a place um, we had like in the past we had problems because we gave feedback all over the place like it was uh, maybe in some in one repository maybe it was in uh, the internal su support tool itself maybe it was uh, like you said, in a, in a Slack channel, you know, people are confused. So you need to know where the feedback should go, right? For That's for general feedback. For bug reports, it's very easy. Like you open, you know uh, where the team is working. So you go to that repository and you open an issue and that's it. That's easy. Uh, on, what, on what to say, that's an advice I want to give. It's not just copying the customer's feedback. It's also that because sometimes you cannot interpret some things the same way 
uh, a product person or engineer can do. Uh, but you really need to read it, understand it, and try to express it in your own words and reduce it uh, in the sense like uh, give a summary because, you know, sometimes a user will come with a wall of text or with mm. uh, 10 feature requests altogether, you know. So, uh, you know, you don't want to just pass that on to, to the other team because they, they have um, so many things to do. So reading all that is not a very easy thing for them. Um, so you need to, to give a summary at TLDR, if you may, yeah. and yes. you know, stuff like that. Very uh, interesting uh, insight and points here. Um, uh, especially what, what uh, stays in my mind that I appreciated was uh, uh, in terms of uh, uh, public support, how stuff might become irrelevant, but uh, it's still out there. Uh, it really uh, stuck to me. Uh, so something that I'll definitely be thinking about going forward. Um, would you like to do a recap of uh, what we discussed? Uh, yes, sure. So we, we talked about uh, a little bit about you know when you need a um, support person, your first support person, and uh, we talked uh, about how to go about hiring one and uh, you know how difficult it is. Uh, and we talked about the different support channels out there. Uh, and the fact that you may want to start, you know, with just email. Um, we talked about um, when you uh, you want to have presence in, in various channels. Uh, we talked about tools, support tools, uh, third-party tools or internal tools, and if it's worth, you know, your time to develop your internal tool. And I, I talked a little bit about the cycle we did or we are doing right now at GitHub, going from you know starting with the internal tool and then maybe considering a third-party one, and um, we also talk about how to, you know we gave like a, a high overview of how you deal with customer requests, and um, I gave some advice uh, about how to you know best communicate your customer feedback to your product or engineering team. Okay. So there you have it, uh, setting up uh, your support. Um, we might, uh, I'd like to start uh, a support series, and next time uh, you're on with us, Petrus, we might, uh, we might uh, get into uh, ongoing uh, support and elaborate on that uh, penultimate point uh, that came up. So uh, thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for uh, having me. Very nice talking to you. Uh, you you can send uh, your questions by calling us on 866-370-5050 from anywhere. You can email us at hello at listenshiprepeat.com. Uh, if you're subscribed on iTunes or not, feel free to do so. Feel free to review us uh, with a rating if you enjoy the show. You don't have to write uh, some text. Uh, they have it these days that you can just uh, press the star you want. And, the rating comes in, but if you feel like uh, writing something, we would appreciate it. So, energizes us, uh, uh, makes us looking uh, forward to making our uh, new episodes even more than we already do. Uh, so, thank you very much for listening, and uh, goodbye. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.